I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. going to move soon so what's the latest on the uh, on all that well look i mean uh, you got to believe about a third of what you see out there and um you know we're we're members of the pac-12 we're proud members of the pac-12 and um you know we've we've got to see uh, where our media rights deal lands and and uh, where our conference goes and you know in a in a perfect world we'd love to be in the pac-12 and uh, but we also have to do what's right for colorado at the end of the day and um, you know we'll evaluate things as we move forward Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the KSL Sports Zone. Just heard two voices there, one being Brian Howell. The other is Colorado Athletic Director Rick George. Brian Howell joins us now. He's the Colorado Buffalo's beat writer for the Boulder Daily Camera as well as BuffZone.com. Brian, thank you for carving out some time for us here on a Saturday. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Uh, so I'm going to start here. You just heard uh, the clip. Obviously, you were part of that interview with Rick George. Uh, it made headlines yesterday. Obviously, a, a number of college football writers uh, took that quote and were putting it all over social media. Uh, give us your overall sense of what uh, uh, Rick George meant when he uh, talked about the fact that he said, we want to be a part of the Pac-12, but we're going to obviously uh, keep our options open in a way. Yeah, you know, in a lot of ways, it's the same message uh, as always mm-hmm. is that you know they do want to be in the Pac-12, um, like he said, in that perfect world. Um, but the reality is, it's not a perfect world, and uh, it's uh, you know the longer this drags out, the less perfect it is. And I think the one difference in that quote to me was that he's generally uh, been you know more, I guess, he's talking more about kind of the solidarity of the, of the ten remaining schools. Um, and this, he didn't you know, really say that. That doesn't mean it's not there. But this sort of, to me, um, opened that door a little bit more than I've heard him in the past to, hey, we might be looking somewhere else. So, Brian, 
On my end, I've covered kind of the University of Utah side of things. I'm just kind of curious to get what you're feeling throughout this whole process has been from Colorado's end. Um, you know, since my scope is so small, I'm going to assume your scope is kind of more small, is smaller and more narrowed in as well. Yeah, you know, mine is definitely, you know, on Colorado and, um, you know, a, a lot of the reporting on all this stuff. Uh, I, I leave the sort of the national guys that have all those uh, contacts and everything like that. But from the Colorado side of things, it's um, I do think that from the start, um, the day that USC, UCLA left, um, I do think that that their preference has always been the Pac-12 and that there's been a lot of confidence in the Pac-12 to get things done. But I think that confidence, and I don't think this is exclusive to CU, I think the confidence in the Pac-12 has lessened um, over the last few months. And, um, you know, I think that there's been several times that we thought and that the schools thought a deal would be getting done soon and it hasn't gotten done yet. And um, so I think the more this drags on, like I said, I think confidence goes down and the schools have got to look um, out for themselves and figure out what they're going to do. To your point, Brian, the, the reason you brought that question up was the report from Barry Trammell from the Oklahoman, longtime sports columnist out there. He's been a regular on the show that I produced, DJ and PK. We've had you on there fairly regularly as well. And he came on and he said that three months ago, I would have told you that the, the Pac-12 sticking together. So they're going to figure a way out. But then he, when he came on with us earlier this week to talk about his comment about Colorado being willing to jump to the Big 12, quote unquote, soon. Uh, he said that three months ago, I thought the Pac-12 was sticking together. He says, today my tune has changed. And this comes, I think, from Tuesday or Wednesday when we had him on. He said, I do think that there are Pac-12 schools looking to make a move to the Big 12. Uh, when it comes to all this, you talked about the fact that confidence seems to have been lessened or eroded away for the Pac-12. What do you think that George Klyovkov and the people inside the Pac-12 office could do to, I guess, reinstitute that trust in the conference? Is there anything they can do at this point? Yeah, they can get a deal done. <laughs> okay. you know, I, honestly, I think yeah. that's what it comes down to. I mean, you, you need to get that deal done and have something in front of your schools to where they can see what their value is. And um, I, I think that's been the biggest issue is that uh, there's been talk for months that mm-hmm. there's going to be something coming up soon, something coming up soon, and that doesn't happen. And, uh, you know, I, I agree with that, that sentiment that three months ago I would have thought, yeah, this is going to happen. I mean, CU is not going anywhere. and neither is anybody else, but um, as time goes on, it's like, yeah, I think there might actually be something. And I think that CU, Arizona, Utah, whatever schools you can bring up, I mean, they've, they've got to look at some other options just in case this is not going to turn out well for the Pac-12. Colorado has also, I think, just recently I saw a tweet or two, I, probably from your report, that Colorado's looking into the Big Ten as well. Uh, you know, how realistic – do you feel like that is? I I know that the Big Ten has kind of come out and said they're done for the time being, but do you think there's a future there for Colorado, you know, five to seven years down the road? I think there could be. Um, I don't think it's anything immediate, but I think that every school wants to position themselves to be in a spot where they're more attractive to the Big Two at some point in the future. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of reasons why, you know, CU hired Deion Sanders, but one of them could be that they need to be more nationally relevant to where they're they're attractive. And, you know, whether Deion's here four or five years from now, I don't know. But, um, you know, if CU is more relevant and a better football program in four years, then they're more attracted to a Big Ten or SEC. Um, you know, I, I think anything's on the table at this point. I mean, I don't know if 
what the ACC is going to do, you know, if Colorado could be in play there. But, you know, I think that uh, there's a lot of things that are on the table. But for now, CU has got to position itself to be attractive in the next round of uh, expansion and, and conference realignment. I probably should ask you this question. Brian Howell from the Boulder Daily Camera joining us, also uh, covering the Colorado Buffaloes for Buff Zone out there in Boulder. I wanted, I probably should ask you this question after my first question, but were the comments from Rick George, what you got from him, were, were they surprising to you? No, not really. Okay. Um, like I said, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's the same message in the past as far as, you know, hey, we like the Pac-12, we want to be here. Um, it was probably more so that, uh, he did leave that door open a little bit more okay. to, yeah, we are looking around. But it didn't really surprise me just because following the national landscape, you know, everybody's got to open that door a little bit mm-hmm. more so than they did probably three months ago. There's also been some rumor of discontent, I guess, with Colorado's like big boosters. How much of what you think uh, was said the other day has to do with that and maybe trying to appease, you know, some of the people that are donating big money to Colorado. I don't think it had anything to do with that, but I I do think that, you know, CU knows that it has to be more relevant uh, to be more attractive to its donors as well. Um, And they've got to win football games and they've, uh, they've got to be in a position to where their future looks strong for their donors. And so I'm not sure the comments really, uh, had that in mind, but I do think that I mean that's the U's goal. They've got to be more attractive uh, long term, so that it's boost, so their boosters can get more money and you know help uh, fund this program that you know right now is obviously you've know, got a lot of financial things coming up. Yeah, you talk about the finances, uh, Brian, and obviously the hire of Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, was a was a headline making thing. And it, by the way, it continues to be a headline making thing. It feels like every day, just with how many players he jettisoned and is bringing into Colorado. But you talk about the financial component of all of this coming in, NIL, uh, transfer portal, collectives. Does Colorado? Do you feel like they have the booster group in place that can help? I guess, step up to the plate financially there? In some ways, yes. I think that uh, they would like that to be more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's where they've got to win football games. I mean, that, yeah. the one thing is that there's there's a lot of excitement with the young coming in here. But at the same time, I think that these fans have heard so many times in the last 15 years, hey, we are, we're, we're here. This is the next guy. This is, this is the coach that's going to turn us around. Uh, they've heard that so many times. I think there's probably – um, a measure of some of these boosters and fans are like, okay, let's let's see it actually because you still haven't won football games. I, you know, talk about the impact of bringing on a guy like Deion Sanders to kind of be the the face of the program and breathe new life into it. You know, do do you think he's done what Colorado has needed him to do so far, and what do you think the expectations are heading into this season for him? Yeah, I think he's actually done more than Colorado anticipated uh, with the financial impact and and the uh, the attention impact. You know, I just wrote a story yesterday that they made they turned a profit of over two hundred thousand uh, dollars on the spring game, and they've never made a dime off of that thing because nobody ever comes to it. And so, uh, and that profit's just off of ticket sales and concessions. And then on top of that, they also had the largest quote game day uh, merchandise sales in their history. Um, from the spring game. So uh, that's just a small part of it. They've sold out their season tickets for the first time 
in 27 years. They did so in April. The last time they did it was in August. Uh, they had a record day on Wednesday. They started uh, single-game ticket sales. They had a record day for how many tickets they sold that day. So uh, the attention is through the roof. I think he's done more so than they ever anticipated he would do. Uh, but now it's about putting this team together, trying to mesh 70-some new players and uh, go win football games. You talk about the fact he's trying to yeah completely overhaul this roster. You can you you you're covering this day in and day out, so you can correct me if I'm wrong here. The way I read it, there was only one player held over from the previous uh, last year's roster, or was there? It was a complete turnover. No, it was. There's actually technically thirteen. Okay, so it's, okay, yeah. got it. Okay, yeah, but it's it's not very many starters. It's only got a couple it. different starters. Um, but yeah, there are thirteen scholarship guys. From last year, which is not very many. Um, there's actually, I think, more. I believe it's more uh, men's basketball players are coming back than football players, <laughs> which, which is insane. So um, it's almost a complete overhaul. I mean, of, of the 85 scholarships, there could be close to 75 scholarship guys that are brand new to the team. When you take a look at that roster, uh, obviously, again, it's kind of being pieced together and understandably so. Uh, you kind of have to sometimes tear something apart in order to rebuild it again. What do you think are the strengths of this Colorado team and what do you think are the weaknesses that Dion's going to have to continue addressing in order to get them better? Well, you know, I think one of the strengths of this roster is that they've got a ton of guys that have been at places where they either didn't play a whole lot at a Power 5 school like Alabama, Washington, whatever, or they were at an FCS school, and they they have a bunch of guys who need to prove themselves. And I think that that's kind of the, one of the positive strengths is that they, they're going to have competition at every spot where guys you know want to prove themselves and they have this second chance. And I've kind of made this. Uh, kind of statement before, but like you know, we all know the show Last Chance You on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Well, this is sort of <laughs> turning into Second Chance You uh, for a lot of these players uh, because you've got guys that you know have been at Alabama for three years and didn't play. You know, guys have been at Washington that you know didn't play a whole lot, things like that. So it is sort of a Second Chance You, and I, I do think the other strength is they've got a lot of team speed um, at the skill positions and also in their front seven and, and their secondary. So they've got a ton of speed. Weaknesses are you don't have a lot of Power 5 experience. And, you know, you look at the guys they're bringing in, and like I said, there's a lot of Power 5 backups. There's a lot of FCS guys. There's some JUCO guys. So you don't have a ton of Power 5 experience. And then the other weakness, obviously, is you you don't have team chemistry right now because literally I think it's like 50 of the scholarship guys will go through their first official practice when they open August camp. So, uh, you know, you don't have team chemistry right now, so you've got to build that quickly. <laughs> That's crazy to consider. Brian Howell from the Boulder Daily Camera joining us here on the Saturday show on the KSL Sports Zone. And uh, Brian, you talk about that, just that mass roster overhaul. Uh, Michelle covers Utah heavily for KSLSports.com on, on the opposite, and I cover BYU, and BYU's making the jump to the Big 12. And uh, with people I've talked with BYU, they talk about expectations as BYU makes the leap to the Power 5 levels. And I think most people think if BYU can make a bowl game this year in their first year as a Power 5 program, it's probably going to be, uh, I would consider, a successful year overall. I, I say that to say this: What are the realistic expectations for year one of the Coach Prime era for the for, for the Buffaloes in terms of just a record? Yeah, I think realistic expectation is just get to a bowl game. Okay, uh, when you're one and eleven from last year, and 
not even arguably, they were the worst Power 5 team in the country. Uh, you look at point differential, and it was dramatic between what theirs was compared to like the next lowest. Uh, so if you can do that with such a massive roster overhaul and, and get to a bowl game, I think that's an unbelievable first year. Now, that's not going to match the hype, mm-hmm. and people are going to expect <laughs> a lot more than that. But people that are realistic, you know, a bowl game is probably about their ceiling. Yeah, and that's uh, I, 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 that's kind of where I kind of pegged it because you you talk about the fact fifty plus guys they're gonna have to mesh over is it twenty nine practices in in training camp in August is that what they are allotted by the NCAA? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so, twenty nine. So yeah, there's just there's a lot of work to be done. Do, do you feel like this may be a storyline that it may take those twenty nine practices to get guys on the same page, but they may not necessarily I guess coalesce and kind of gel maybe until mid season. Yeah, I think it's a team that probably could be better um, towards the end of the year than the, than the early part of the season. But um, you know, we'll see. I mean, they're not going to be patient. I know that. I mean, he's. <laughs> I asked him once about chemistry, and he said he's not that worried about it. And actually, kind of a funny story. A friend of mine was at a, an event uh, this week that Dion was speaking at. Like a uh, his company had something there, and he asked Dion this question about uh, you know team chemistry, and, and he, he said that Dion's response was, "Hey." Some of you guys in here probably met your wife and proposed within the first couple of months that you, that you, that you met her. So how could you make a, a commitment like that, a lifelong commitment, and you're worried about me gelling a football team? <laughs> you know, so he was kind of making this, that, you know, hey, I can, I can put a football team together in a few months if you can uh, figure out who your wife is in a couple of weeks. So <laughs> it, it, was kind of a, it was kind of a funny comment. He, that, that, that's beyond confidence, though, and, and – you know, I think that they, like I said before, I think they're they're really going to rely on. And I've talked to some uh, some of the current players that are coming in. That I think that this hunger is going to bond these guys. I think that okay. they can come together quickly. How quickly? I don't know because uh, we've never seen something like this before. All right, Brian. Where can people find all your work? What's the easiest way for them to follow you? Yeah, I go to buffzone dot com or uh, follow me on Twitter at Brian Howell thirty three. Well, Brian, appreciate carving out some time for us here on a Saturday, and keep up the great work. And of course, we'll be checking back with you, checking back in with you as the season draws a little bit closer. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. There you go, Brian Hell, Boulder Daily Camera. That's that's actually okay. When he said that that whole analogy about the meeting your wife thing, I'm just like, well, I think people in Utah can relate. Yeah, to that. yeah. I, um, I'm so glad you said it because I had the same thought. Hey, I was like, huh? Okay, that sounds familiar. I have. I'm 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 not going to say his name. Literally one of my best friends from high school, Michelle. Three weeks. They've been married for 13 years now. It's crazy, but I mean, sometimes it works. It might be even longer. That might be even longer than 13 years. But yeah, but crazy, crazy stuff. And to Brian's point, he said, yeah, a lot of it sounds like the same stuff. But he said, Rick George has been very much like we want to be in the pack. Like he's talking mm-hmm. about like the whole like we're we're a unit here. Speaking of the Pac-12, but he, that door is cracked open for Colorado, obviously. For sure. Uh, And I think one of the things that maybe hasn't been made terribly, terribly clear throughout this entire process, really for anyone, Mm -hmm. is people are always talking to people. Like, like even (laughs) when this circus stuff isn't going on, like fans need to understand these conversations are constantly being had Mm -hmm. everywhere. Like... And if your school, your president, your AD are not having these conversations, you should be very worried and concerned. Like people are always filling each other out. People are always growing and building relationships. 
just in case for this very reason. Yeah. Um, so it, th- this isn't like a really weird, shocking revelation <laughs> uh, per se, but like I, it, it was worded a little differently than mm-hmm. it has been in the past. And, that, and that's that's why I think most people latched onto it. That, that's the thing because I think you made a very good point. Like your focus is really kind of narrowed it on Utah. Brian's is on Colorado. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you've got people like a Brett McMurphy, a Dennis Dodd, John Canzano, John Will on down the list who theirs are more conference and nationally. Uh, their their scope is mm-hmm. more broad, and they're taking that and obviously gonna guesstimate speculate whatever they're going to do with it so interesting times very interesting times i i will say i think i think we're about due for the pac-12 to say something again it's it's been march it's been march since march since there was kind of a big is that the one that had the consummating in the in the statement that i just made me completely uncomfortable uh, I believe that my that could have even been the end of February, okay. but like even just having like people step up and mm-hmm. speak, like yeah. I, it's just it's been a while since there's been some transparency. They had that I, kind of three week spurt where, yeah, presidents and ads were all speaking out almost at the same time. Exactly, right. it's kind of I, been quiet. It's been a little bit quiet. I you know I think I think for the health of the conference. Some people need to step up and, and say something. They do. And we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll dig into this a little bit more. I do want to discuss this a little bit further. We'll get that at 11 o'clock, actually. We'll dig into this. i got a couple of other questions I want to pepper you with from your perspective on it. We'll get to. Uh, coming up next, we get to technical fouls. More in a moment. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.